News Network. We have the best government money can buy. Pretty topical, current events and all. Well, there's truly nothing new under the sun because we were warned about selling our government decades ago by Mark Twain. And that's the truth. And we're TNN, the Truth News Network. And your master of the real world is Dan Newman. A lot of real truth out there we don't hear about. Much of it because there are people that don't want us to hear about it. So, therefore, when they control the mouthpieces of the world, we hear about only what they want us to hear. Are you getting tired of that? I mean, I get enough of that at home. (laughs) I'm getting myself in trouble. I'm digging a hole. (laughs) Look, we need to find out for ourselves who are the real leaders on this planet. Think about that. We're pointed to, we're told to look at this person, to accept that person as the foremost expert on this and on that. I guess the one that just makes my skin crawl again and again is climate change. Oh my gosh. For every scientist that claims, oh, it's a scientific fact. Climate change is real and our temperatures are getting hot. We're going to find our country in landmass across the globe underwater because of, used to call it global warming, now we call it climate change. For every one of those experts, there's at least one other expert that says that so-called expert doesn't have a clue of what they're talking about. And that's just one example. We've got bad weather going on around the nation now. Oh, it proves... We've got climate change, and we've got to take actions. This time, pretty much every year, we have climate catastrophes. We have tornadoes and hurricanes and floods. I listened to a real scientist, a historic scientist, one of the scientists that looks back and declares the facts from the past to correlate to the facts of today. And this scientist very plainly said, no credible person can look back in world history and say that anything that is going on today, as terrible as many of these things are, there are correlatives in history that prove its same song, second, third, 2,365 verses later. But you know what it's being used, the purposes for all of this, is to control you and I. It's all about controlling us, putting in a fear place where we are absolutely, totally all in for what the so-called experts tell us. Why? Because they know better than we know. And they tell us that very frequently. There are a million bad things going on, and we're going to weigh into some of those bad things today, and some of them are really, really bad. So would you humor me just for a minute? Just for a minute. Humor me. Can't we chuckle a little bit as we get started this morning? Well, even if you don't give me your permission, we're going to try it. 
Listen closely to this wisdom. Ladies and gentlemen, the man song. I don't take no crap from anybody else but you. I wear the pants around here when I finish with your laundry. Cause I'm a guy you don't want to fight. When I say jump, you say you're right. I'm the man of this house until you get home. He's the man. He's the man. What I say goes around here right out the window. And I don't want to hear a lot of whining, so I'll shut up. The sooner you learn who's boss around here, the sooner you can give me my orders to you. Because I'm head honcho around here, but I call him my head. He's the man. He's the man. And I can have sex any time that you want. Because I'm a man who has needs, but they're not that important. And don't expect any flowers from me, because if I'm not mistaken, you prefer jewelry. I'm the king of my castle when you're not around. He's the man. He's the man. And I'll drink and watch sports whenever I want to get in trouble. And I'll come home when I'm good and ready to sleep on the couch. Because a man's got to do what a man's got to do. And I'm going to do what you tell me to. Because I'm top dog around here, but I've been neutered. He's the man. He's the man. You the man. That song originated on the Bob and Tom show. Now, let me tell you about Bob and Tom. They're from Indianapolis. I was in Indianapolis on WTPI when they were Crosstown Rivals doing the morning show. Funny guys. But isn't that song very truthful and expressive of the way the reality of being married goes? Mama wears the pants. I don't care what anybody else says. And I'm not through with the chuckles yet. I want to tell you a story. This happened back on January the 9th this year. I'm a motorcycle guy. I have a couple of Harleys I've ridden all over North America. The earring that I have in my left ear today, I got at a street festival in Montreal. Marianne, my bride, has been behind me on a Harley on the West Coast, up in the Northwest, at Key West, Florida. We like to get out and ride. I'm not a around town kind of guy, but I've never been in a biker gang and have never had any inclination to do so. Now, I know some guys and some of their wives that are in gangs, and that's okay if that's your deal. Anyway, a group of Hell's Angels back on January 9th this year They were in South Carolina, and they were riding east on Highway 378 when they saw a girl about to jump off the P.D. River Bridge. So they stopped. George, who happens to be the leader of that Hells Angel gang, he's a big burly man of 53, he got off his Harley, walked through a group of gawkers, passed a state trooper who was trying to talk her down off the railing and says, Hey, baby. What you doing up there on that railing? She responded tearfully, I'm going to commit suicide. So George didn't want to appear sensitive. He didn't want to miss the be a legend opportunity either. So he asked her, well, before you jump, honey babe, 
why don't you give old George here your best last kiss? So with no hesitation at all, she leaned back over the railing and did just that. And it was a long, deep, lingering kiss followed immediately by an even better one. Ooh. So after they breathlessly finished, George got a big thumbs-up approval from his biker buddies, all the onlookers, and even the state trooper. And then George says, Wow, that was the best kiss I've ever had. That's a real talent you're wasting there, sugar shorts. You could be famous if you rode with me. Why are you committing suicide? Her response was heartfelt and passionate. She said, My parents don't like me dressing up like a girl. (laughs) And it is still unclear whether she jumped or whether she was thrown off that bridge.
aren't you? I mean, there are lots of bad things going on around the world. I'm sure many things in your life are not just perfect. But you know what? You woke up this morning. You have yet to assume just room temperature. You're still up and going, and your body temperature somewhere around 96.5 and not room temperature. When you go there, it's because you're not alive anymore. But you know what? We've just got to be thankful for where we are, who's in our life, and what we have. It may not be the best of circumstances by your own definition, but you can always look around you and find somebody that's worse off than you are. I know I can. Same time, you can look around and find people that are better off than you are. I can. But find ways, if you haven't yet, find ways to be content with where you are, and if it's not the perfect of circumstances and you want them changed, make a plan. Start a process and get them to change. Don't wait around for somebody else or to hit the Powerball or the mega, what is it, mega millions, to hit the big ticket. Don't wait for that. Make plans. Use the resources you have now, and if you want to build on those, find ways to do just that and start working. If you don't start somewhere, you're going to go nowhere. And that applies to all of us. As you know, D.C. is under some really, really dark days today. Yesterday, FBI Director Christopher Wray was grilled in front of the House Oversight Committee. I mean, they were going bonkers. And he got mixed reviews, but I'll tell you my reviews. I watched some of it. I didn't see it all. I didn't want to. I couldn't, didn't have time, but I didn't want to either. Mixed reviews. But what he proved, just because Donald Trump appointed him FBI director, does not mean Christopher Wray is a conservative. It certainly does not mean he automatically does what's best, just best for us. He's got his own agenda, and he makes it very clear. This thing that all of these people that come before the committees for these appointed jobs for confirmation, and they come up there when they're asked questions. If they're already in government, they're asked questions about specific things. Now, these are the congressmen and women who are asking these questions. These are the direct bosses of all these people that are in the federal government. Congress, the House of Representatives, constitutionally, holds everybody in government accountable for everything in every way. That's the way our forefathers structured it to be, including budget time, money, everything to do with money. And yet it has become vogue and acceptable by many whenever they don't want to answer a question, they're asked by one of these members of Congress about certain very important things that fall under the purview of these members of Congress And they say, because of circumstances or because of ongoing litigation or ongoing investigations, I can't respond to that. And they're getting away with it every day. Every day. Now, 
the detractors out there will say, well, these people can't talk to the American people about everything. That will make witnesses go away. No whistleblower will want to come in if they, if they know everything all the time. They can't do that. I'm talking about the bosses, the people that write the checks, and the people that have the unilateral authority to kick any of these government-appointed people out of office. It's called impeachment. If they can't say what they're saying in public, close the doors and have classified hearings. At least the people that are in power have the right, and they do have the right constitutionally. So what's it going to take to change it? They're going to have to make the choice and do the heavy lifting. And I'm tired of getting this, and I get it from one of my friends, my congressman. I asked the last time he was on this show, Mike Johnson. I said, talking about Mayorkas, talking about the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, is impeachment part of the plans for either one of these? His response is the standard response now when taxpayers, voters, ask this same question. Are you going to impeach them? Here's the problem, he said. We're only the place where articles of impeachment are considered. If the House impeaches anybody, that those articles go across the Capitol to the Senate floor, and the Senate has to vote to either take it up for consideration of trying that person or not. And this is the standard line. This is a quote. Democrats control the Senate. They're not going to try and remove any of these people from office. So why waste the taxpayer's time? If a process doesn't work, fix the process. Fix the process. Stop waiting around for something to happen and for somebody else to do something. I'm tired of this. There are a couple of really good specters that came out of the committee hearing yesterday. Matt Gates, firebrand Republican from Florida. He uh, he really got into Christopher Ray's grill. He, I think he was either the first or second member of the House to question Christopher Ray. We've got a lot of sound bites. We're not going to play them all. And this first one's kind of lengthy, but it's full of meat. Matt Gates drilling Chris Ray. The American people need to understand what just happened. My, col- my Democrat colleague just asked the director of the FBI whether or not they are buying information about our fellow Americans. And the answer is, well, we'll just have to get back to you on that. It sounds really complicated. But I have other questions. I'm sitting here with my father. I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Sounds like a shakedown, doesn't it, Director? I'm not going to get into commenting on that. You, you, you seem deeply uncurious about it, don't you? Almost suspiciously uncurious. Are you protecting the Bidens? Absolutely not. The FBI well, does not and has que- no oh, interest on. in protecting You won't protecting answer the question about whether or not that's a shakedown, and everybody knows why you won't answer it. Because to, ev- to the millions of people who will see this, they know it is. And your inability to acknowledge that is deeply revealing about you. But let's go from 
the uncurious to the downright nosy. How many illegal FISA queries have occurred under your leadership of the FBI? Well, there are reports that have come out with different numbers about uh, compliance incidents. More than a million illegal ones? Because that's what the inspector general said. The inspector general said that in the 3.4 million of these queries, more than a million were in error. Do you have any basis to disagree with that, that assessment by the inspector general? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure, actually, that's a, a correct characterization of the inspector general's uh, oh, well, findings on well, that. Well, the internet will remind you of I, that in moments. But, but let, let's now go to uh, what the, the court said. The court said it was over 200,000 that have occurred on your watch. Would, do you have any basis to disagree with that assessment? Again, I don't have the numbers I sit here right now. What I can Seems tell like you a number you should know. How many times the FBI's breaking the law under your watch, especially if it's like over a million to not know that number? And I'm worried about your veracity on the subject as well. Play, this, play the video. Letters for investigation the of court? the Capitol. I don't believe FISA is remotely implicated in our investigation. So, so there, Senator Lee's asking you whether or not FISA was in any way involved in your January 6th investigation, and you say no. It, was that truthful? I said that I did not believe it was. Okay, so now let's pull up what the court said, which was something a little different than what you said. So, so here, nope, that's not the right one. Yeah, here we go, right there. It says, the government has reported additional significant violations of the querying standard, including several relating to the January 6, 2021 breach of the Capitol. So I guess the question, Director Ray, is did, did you not know when you were answering these questions that the FBI was engaging in these illegal searches, or did you perjure yourself to Senator Lee? I certainly didn't perjure myself. At the time that I testified in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, I didn't have that piece of information. I will add... Well, that was a court order. You didn't have that piece of information because the court hadn't yet rendered a judgment. Did you not know when you gave the untruthful answer before Senator Lee that this was going on? It was a, it was a truthful answer. I did not believe FISA had been involved in the January 6th But it was. So you didn't... The answer is the FBI has broken so bad that people can go and engage in queries that when you come before the Congress to answer questions, you're like blissfully ignorant. You're blissfully ignorant as to the unlawful queries. You're blissfully ignorant as to the Biden shakedown regime. And it just seems like it gets into a kind of a creepy place as well. Go to our, our next image on what the court said. Like, just so the American people realize, the, the court has smacked you down alleging or ruling FBI personnel apparently conducted queries for improper personal reasons. People were looking themselves up. They were looking their ex-lovers up. Who has been held accountable or fired as a consequence of the FBI using the FISA process as their, like, creepy personal snoop machine? There have been instances in which individuals uh, have had disciplinary action uh, and Amen. who are no longer with it. I can't get into it here, but we can follow back up but with don't you. But yeah. don't you see that that's kind of the thing, Director Ray, that you preside over the FBI that has the lowest level of trust in the FBI's history? People trusted the FBI more when J. Edgar Hoover was running the place than when you are. And the reason is because you don't give straight answers. You give answers that, that later a court deems aren't true. And then at the end of the day, you won't criticize an obvious shakedown when it's directly in front of us. And it appears as though you're whitewashing the conduct of corrupt people. Respectfully, Congressman, 
in your home state of Florida, the number of people applying to come work for us and devote their lives working for us is over up over 100%. We're deeply proud of them, and they deserve better than you. They deserve better than you, Christopher Ray. So it was case like that after case like that all day long. And of course, when they finish with a Republican, the Democrat. Next up will be a Democrat. I'm not going to play to any, any of those because they're out there and they love the job that Christopher Ray is doing. So every time they get to the microphone, the podium, what do they do? They pat him on the back and make him feel really good. They don't represent the people of the United States. Latest poll, only 37% of the American people trust the FBI. That's the lowest in American history. I want to give you one more Republican, and the reason I'm doing this, this is a new guy. Wesley Hunt is his name. He's a firebrand, African-American guy from my hometown, Houston, Texas, went to the military academy, the U.S. military academy. He's got like three or four degrees, three overseas stents in active duty. And like I said, he is a firebrand, and he just gets quickly right in to Chris Ray's grill. A recent poll found that 37% of Americans have a positive view of the FBI. And that's from an NBC poll. I wouldn't exactly call that uh, right media propaganda. And I think I know why. Here's what the American people know and believe about the FBI today, sir. If you are a Trump, you'll be prosecuted. If you are a Biden, you'll be protected. And the American people that I represent are sick and tired of this double standard. It seems like every single hearing that we have in this room, we talk about the two-tiered justice system of Biden's DOJ and the FBI, and as we were talking earlier, here we are again. President Trump endured an unprecedented raid at his home in Mar-a-Lago. President Biden's home, however, was respectfully browsed. President Trump is facing up to 400 years in federal prison for allegedly being in possession of classified documents he obtained as the commander-in-chief of these United States of America. And meanwhile, President Biden is facing no charges for the classified documents he had held at his time as a senator and a vice president, not the president of these United States of America. And last I checked, he had no legal authority to declassify those documents. Assuming President Trump was in possession of said classified documents, would those documents be more secure, surrounded by Secret Service at Mar-a-Lago, or in a box, in a garage, behind your Corvette? No, the answer to that question. Question for you, sir. What can you tell us about the status of the FBI's investigation of President Biden's classified documents found next to his Corvette in Delaware and those found at the Penn Biden Center? Do we have an update on that, sir? What I can tell you is that there is an ongoing special counsel investigation led by Mr. Robert Herr, uh, and we have FBI agents uh, affiliated with it, working on it, working very actively and aggressively with him on that case. Um, I obviously disagree with your description of the two standards. In my view, we, at least under my watch, we have one standard. Okay. 
and that is we're going to pursue the facts wherever they lead, no matter who likes it. And I add that last part because especially in sensitive investigations, mm-hmm. almost by definition, somebody's not going to like it. So I understand that. That's actually why I led with the sentiment of the American people. I understand that, that, that's your so, sentiment. So Let me, like, I, I do want to finish this. So, so I want everybody to talk about this dichotomy that we have seen. I, I get your point, sir, but that's just not what we see as the public, as we the people. We see one case being fast-tracked and one case being slow-walked. We see one president's home being raided, the other president's home being kindly searched. You have one government agency, the Secret Service, protecting the former president and his home, and another government agency, the FBI, raiding the same home. Now, to me, sir, that's tragically ironic. And we expect more from a functional constitutional republic, and these things shouldn't be happening. Now, it's my opinion that Joe Biden is the most unpopular president we have seen in a century, and that's why he knows the only way to stop President Trump from beating him in November is by putting him in jail. You talked about this, Mr. Fry. In the 247 years of this existence of this great nation, only one president has ever been indicted by the DOJ and has home raided by the FBI. Now, some have said that President Trump's indictment means that No one is above the law. Okay, all right, I would love to see that. But what about Hillary Clinton? And what about Joe Biden? And what about Hunter Biden, who is America's favorite son? Let me tell you something, I got a four-year-old daughter and a two-year-old daughter at my house. Hunter Biden to me is like glitter. He is on everything and you cannot get rid of him. And yet nothing is going to be done about this. We're sick of it. James Comey decided not to prosecute Hillary Clinton despite overwhelming evidence that she committed crimes. And as I recall, it was the position of the FBI to not prosecute because they didn't want to interfere with the presidential election. What do you call this? The Iowa caucuses are in six months. Six months. I think the American public would expect to see this from Cuba and from Venezuela and from Russia and from China, but not here. The people expect us to have blind justice. They expect equal justice under the law. It is not the job of the DOJ or the FBI to prosecute Joe Biden's top political opponent who was leading in every single primary poll, and the Iowa caucuses are in six months. Let the people decide. It's our job to uphold the Constitution. As a West Point grad and military veteran, this is the Constitution I give my life to protect, and I expect us all to uphold it Likewise, thank you so much for being here. Mr. Chairman, may I briefly respond? Sure. Uh, So number one, as to the investigations related to Mrs. Clinton, as you noted, that happened under my predecessor, and I'm not going to speak for or defend that decision. I recognize that. Second, uh, as to your descriptions of the investigations uh, related to uh, Hunter Biden, uh, as you know, there is an ongoing investigation being led by the Delaware U.S. Attorney appointed by President Trump, and we are actively working on that investigation with him. Well, we, third look, we, and look, third, we look forward to seeing the results of this quickly and swiftly. And, and third and finally, uh, to your point about the American people mm-hmm. and their views, uh, I worry less about NBC polls or polls by any other news outlet, uh, but I will tell you that it, the number of people in Texas applying to work for us 
since I've been in this job has gone up 93%. And in fact, I'm not going to quote Matt Gates. I heard heard his response to this earlier. In fact, (laughs) we have more applicants, more applicants from the state of Texas annually in the last several years than any other state in the country. And that makes sense because Texas is the greatest state in the country. Then I think that speaks very well of the view of Texans about the FBI. Isn't it ironic that Christopher Wray, in response at the end of Matt Gates' conversation with him, he talked about the great people of Florida that want to be in the FBI. And then the same thing now with Representative Wesley Hunt, the Texan, and Christopher Ray uses that. What's he trying to do to justify all of the crap that they're doing at the FBI that he's initiating? He's got his hands in all of it. Trying to legitimize it by, well, they like me. Why wouldn't you like me? Other people in Texas like me. And it just got worse and worse and worse. We're going to circle back a little bit later in the show if we have time. I want you to listen to not an entire five-minute segment. Those get a little dreary, don't you believe? I don't want to go there. But there are some other really important things we need to get into. Vice President Kamala Harris. Now, in addition to being the border czar, she is the god of a. I, (laughs) artificial intelligence. You're going to hear a little bit from her, her word salad of the week, and she seems to come up with when you think she can't get worse, she (laughs) gets much worse. You're going to hear from her. Also, Eric Swalwell, California representative. He's in these hearings, and he's going to weigh in a little bit later with some of that if we have time. Mike Johnson, our congressman, he was one of the big-time drillers of Christopher Ray in that committee hearing yesterday. If we've got time for him, he's going to join us too. So we're not going anywhere. You don't need to either. What's the biggest number you can think of? A trillion, billion, zillion. That's pretty big. How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you? Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads. Quieter brake pads. Longer life brake pads. And performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right. Get in the zone, auto zone. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I w- I'm not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, was, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Who's us? Supermodels. What do you model, gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies, so losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black flavored lattes and iced coffee. 
Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnews.org. Coming up in just a little bit, we've got some news, two different doses of news that is not good news for Governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, in his bid for the presidency. He'll be up in just a couple of minutes. I want to touch base on something that is legitimately bad. My gosh, Chicago and other parts of Illinois, they got totally obliterated yesterday by the weather. Thousands are left with no power. Hundreds of flights are canceled after tornado mega cluster. A bunch of them together. They haven't given the official count of how many they were. But they ripped through Chicago, tearing off rooftops, uprooting trees. Trees were uprooted, rooftops ripped off. A series of tornadoes left a swath of destruction. Eight so far have been verified. Eight tornadoes touched down in four counties in northeast Illinois. And that includes four of them in Cook County, which is Chicago. As officials warned people to take shelter. This was a very brutal and a freak weather incident. Forced O'Hare and Midway both to halt all air traffic. Tornado sirens echoed throughout the city. Third biggest one in the U.S. You got New York, L.A., and then Chicago. So as the tornadoes touched down near Chicago's main airport, O'Hare, last night, travelers were forced to scramble for cover. Many were left stranded That's got to be a horrible feeling. All departures of commercial flights into O'Hare and Midway were grounded. Outgoing flights from the two airports were delayed. More than 300 flights in and out of O'Hare and another 32 in and out of Midway were canceled. Off-site air traffic controllers assumed control of the airspace as the on-site controllers had to evacuate the towers at both O'Hare and Midway. Normal operations resumed after the storms passed. Trees were uprooted, roofs blown off in Cook County, town of Countryside. Car windows were even blown out in LaGrange, LaGrange, however you pronounce it. Tree and roof damage was also reported from several other twisters. The National Weather Service issued two tornado warnings for Chicago yesterday evening. Tornado sirens sounded warning people to get to shelter. Lynn Becker a longtime Chicago resident, said tornado sirens were blaring across the city's iconic skyline. She said, I'm in a 60-story apartment building, so my options are somewhat limited. We have to, I assume, go into the core of the building. There's a certain panic when you're watching a TV screen and everything is in red, but the hope is that the damage is minimal. Local news outlets said warehouses were damaged near O'Hare. And when these kind of storms happen, it's almost like they always happen in the late daytime, early nighttime hours. So it's really hard to know exactly how bad these incidents were. But what we do know, it's bad. And when it happens over a very heavily populated place like that part of Illinois, it's really, really, really scary. Elsewhere in Illinois, also some not so good news is coming out this morning. An Illinois law that's set to go into effect 
at the beginning of the upcoming year is going to ban landlords from discriminating against potential tenants, not on their racial preference, not preference because you don't choose your race, not on their race, not on their sexual preference, but on the basis of their immigration status. Illinois Democrat Governor J.B. Pritzker signed SB 1817 into law late last month. It will add protections in the Illinois Human Rights Act for Housing regarding immigration status protection and discriminatory advertising. The law was part of a couple of pieces of legislation that Pritzker signed last month, including another one aimed at giving undocumented immigrants access to state driver's licenses. The bill replaces the current temporary visitor driver's license with a standard license that's good for four years, a move that's going to impact over 300,000 people who currently hold the temporary licenses. This legislation is a significant step in doing away with the barriers to opportunity that many undocumented immigrants face, Pritzker said. We're ensuring every eligible individual can obtain a driver's license making our roads safer, decreasing stigma, and creating more equitable systems for all. Pontificating and governing, instead of doing it the right way, and oh, by the way, honoring the existing laws that prohibit illegals from even being in the United States, let alone getting legal status in individual states. I just don't comprehend how our federal government will allow this to continue to happen when all of those illegals that are classed today as illegal, if they were being treated under the law of the United States, they wouldn't be able to get a driver's license or to rent a place to live. What incitement is there for these people to do it the right way, the legal way, when they can do it however they want to do it, thumb their noses at the rule of law, and just take advantage of the people and the goodness of the American people. And it continues to happen. If you don't have a nation of laws... You don't have a nation. If you don't have and enforce nation's borders, you don't have a nation. And we are dangerously just minutes away from finding ourselves overnight almost, it'll seem, in a category where the United States is really not the United States. It's just part of North American, the continent North America. What would that mean? You think you have problems now? You think your economical problems are tough right now? Go down that road and wait until you see how bad they really are. Now out on the West Coast, Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom, as you know, the governor there, he's jumping into a debate, a local state debate over child sex trafficking and a bill that's before the state legislature now. He made an unusual intervention on Wednesday 
to save a Republican-authored bill that Democrats had blocked in the state assembly that would make trafficking a minor and instead of a minor, a serious felony. And they blocked it. Democrats blocked the bill, which had already passed the state Senate unanimously. Shannon Grove from Bakersville introduced the bill, which also notes that California leads the country in reported cases of human trafficking of minors. Now, wait a minute. Everybody in Congress on the left and those wonderful impartial news folks at The View and CNN and MSNBC, they've been laughing about the conspiracy theory that's put in detail on the big screen that's out now and it's taking the nation by storm. Sound of freedom that's all about human and young people, even babies, sex trafficking. Saying it's a myth. It's not real. And we're talking about California. We just learned a moment ago, the facts are there that California leads the nation in reported cases of human trafficking of minors. The inclusion of trafficking of a minor is a serious felony. It would make that crime ineligible for plea bargaining in most circumstances. And it would require that the crime be included under the state's 1990s era three strikes law, allowing for life imprisonment after three felonies. However, the Public Safety Committee leader, Grove, led by Assemblyman Reggie Jones-Sawyer, who's a Democrat from South L.A., declined to advance the bill any further. The scourge of human trafficking is dramatized. If you have not yet seen Sound of Freedom, you owe it to yourself and to your kids to go see it while it's still out in theaters in your city. Now the San Francisco Chronicle reports the governor, Governor Newsom, is intervening with legislators to help save the bill. I wonder if Gavin is doing that because he wants chits that would put him in a better position if and when the Democrat Party comes and asks him to replace Joe Biden on the 2024 presidential ticket. In an unusual move, Newsom and the leader of the California Assembly say they're working with the conservative lawmaker on her bill to increase criminal consequences for child sex trafficking after progressive Dems shot that bill down in committee. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Gavin Newsom would just do it because it's the right thing to do? Wouldn't it be wonderful if lawmakers in California would just honor the laws? all the laws of both the state of California and the United States. Wow. As you probably know, our president is overseas, has been at the NATO summit. It's being held in Lithuania. And of course, Joe is being Joe Biden. He's embarrassing everybody in the United States by his actions. And night before last... He skipped a big formal dinner they had because he was working on some things, he told us. And then we find out that he's missed a bunch of big things like that in international meetings in the last couple of months. Those misses weren't even reported to the American people. So Joe was getting ready. And boy, he gave a blockbuster speech yesterday. 
he got out there and he just showed what a great cognitive situation he is in. And he's talking about Ukraine. Ukraine's principals and government went, they were invited to go to the NATO meeting for just to be there because they knew Ukraine and it becoming a member of NATO was going to be talked about and discussed. And of course it was, and it was determined without a vote, but it was determined that they could not bring Ukraine into NATO while NATO was standing on the sidelines of a war between Russia and Ukraine. The rules of NATO say if any member of NATO finds himself in a war, it becomes the obligation of the fellow members of NATO to join in. So it would be stupid for during the middle of this Ukraine-Russia war for NATO members to be asked to step in. So Biden gets up and he's talking about his partners in Ukraine. And I'm going to let you listen to, oh, I don't know, 30 seconds of what he had to say. But I want you to listen to the one part where he is referencing the president of Ukraine by name. Are you listening? Turn your volume up. Allies all agreed to lift the requirements for membership action plan for Ukraine and to create a path to NATO membership while Ukraine continues to make progress on necessary reforms. But we're not waiting for that process to be finished to make the long-term commitments that we're making to Ukraine's security. Vladimir and I, we, the, I should, shouldn't be so familiar. Uh, Mr. Zelensky and I uh, talked about the kind of guarantees we could make in the meantime. You certainly picked up on that. If you didn't hear it clearly, turn your volume up. Turn it up. Five, four, three, two, one. Vladimir and I, we... Vladimir and I. That's the leader of the free world, president of the United States. And he realized he said Vladimir... And so he had to find a way to make it sound okay. And, of course, he did. I shouldn't be so familiar. Uh, Mr. Zelensky and I... uh... I shouldn't be so familiar. First name. You know, that's kind of... You can't do that. So he tried to cover it up. He wouldn't have had to cover it up if he just realized it's Vladimir Zelensky and Vladimir Putin. But he doesn't have any cognitive disability. He's okay. Everybody knows that. I mean, he's Joe Biden. He's one of those guys. He's got it going all the time. He's got it going well. I told you just a minute, uh, probably 10 minutes ago, coming out of the first break of the hour, that uh, we've got some news about Ron DeSantis. Now, as you know, DeSantis probably did the best job nationally for the people in Florida, got more done and got more done the right way during the pandemic. And that was just a springboard to even better things for Florida. I know a bunch of people in Florida, got lots of friends there, and they are just blown away by how much good DeSantis has got done. He's running for president, but he's in trouble. That's that. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth at TNN, the Truth News Network at truthnewsnet.com. 
www.thepodcastnetwork.org. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country, making products to build infrastructure and skylines, creating jobs, supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places, that's worth supporting. You do your thing, and you do it well. Now, it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store, expand into new sales channels, and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. those of you who are regulars here, you know my opinion on Ron DeSantis has always been he would have had, and he might still could pull this one out, a really good shot at ensuring a Republican in the White House for 12 years, the next 12 years, if he just made the right decision. He's only 44 years old. Think about that. That's pretty darn young to run for president isn't it? Americans, many Americans, even people in Florida, they don't think he's quite ready to jump to the White House. My thoughts were he should have a year, maybe two years ago, he should have cemented his relationship with Donald Trump. They're both Floridians. Trump lives at Mar-a-Lago. That's his main residence now. He is a citizen formally and legally of the state of Florida. So his governor and him, they're pretty close together geographically. And before DeSantis made his formal bid for the White House, uh, they were pretty close in ideas and ideology. If DeSantis had gone to Trump, and if he'd torn down any of the walls that are there between the pair, I promise you, Trump would have been open arms for DeSantis to come in serve as vice president for four years, learn all that DeSantis doesn't know now. He's 44. He does not know everything he needs to know about governing a nation. He's done a really good job in Florida, but governing and running a nation is a whole lot bigger than just doing one out of 50 individual subdivisions of a nation. It would have been amazing, I think. The Santas, 
He does a really good job. He's got a lot of credibility with a lot of people, and he's got, just like Trump does, looking in their rearview mirrors respectively, they both have concrete, very good things that they have initiated and put together, shocking most of their detractors beyond understanding as they promised all the things that campaigners promise all the people they want to vote for them. But the difference is both of them got those things done when they got into office. Trump is president, DeSantis is governor. We could have Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, vice president for four more years, the pair. And then DeSantis steps up and he takes the mantle for eight more years. Imagine a string of 12 years in the United States with two very conservative administrations fixing this insanity that is in the process of destroying everything our forefathers built in the United States of America. So now DeSantis finds himself with things not going so good. Just look around. Look at what's going on in the polls. Look at what's, what is going on as the American people look and listen to DeSantis. He's got some baggage. Late yesterday, Larry Kudlow had some folks on, and they started talking about what is now, maybe it was a month ago, a very remote infinitesimal possibility but now a real possibility maybe even a probability that DeSantis is not going to make it all right well it looks like Ron DeSantis continuing his free fall in the polls now the question is going to drop out or not some people are saying that let's look at it Katie Pavlich is here editor at townhall.com and Fox News contributor Mark Simone, WR Radio show host, and Kellyanne Conway, former counselor to President Trump, uh, president of KA Consulting, Fox News contributor, and author of the excellent book, Here's the Deal. Um, I want to put up on the full screen what Trump wrote uh, a day or two ago on his Truth Social. Can we put this up? Ron, Ron DeSanctimonious is getting absolutely demolished for yesterday's performance in New Hampshire. No crowds, no enthusiasm, no interest. His campaign is in total disarray. He's hurting himself very badly for 2028. See, loyalty does matter with patriots. Uh, That's tough stuff. Mark Simone, I want to go to you on this. We talked about this at dinner last night. Um, It's tough stuff, but it may be accurate stuff. And in your judgment... With the polls shifting, I mean, Vivek Ramaswamy is now a guy who's 10% closing in on DeSantis. DeSantis keeps falling. Is DeSantis going to be out of the race? What's your view? Serious view. Serious question. Uh, I, I, listen, we like the guy. We got to do an intervention. We got to tell him you're 44 years old. You're <laughs> way too early. Wait 10 years when you're in your 50s and do it. Uh, he, he doesn't have the campaign skills. He is, talk about failure to launch, he's just sinking, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you're right, Vivek will, will pass him pretty soon, and I don't think he has to drop out, he's just going to fade out and just wither and die on the vine there. Kellyanne, what do you think about that? 
Uh, look, I've been long on the record that he should have waited to run, not just because of his age, but because he has a really big job that he just got reelected to do as governor of our third largest state, got reelected by 20 points. A lot of pressure from media for him to run. When the mainstream media tells you which Republican can win, run the other way. That's number eight. Mm-hmm. Number one, and most mm-hmm. importantly, is so many donors convinced Ron DeSantis, you're the guy. You can beat Trump. You can beat Biden. Um, they're lovely people in life. They're successful people, but they've never made a penny of their billion dollars giving political advice. I think DeSantis is ruining himself a little bit for 2028. It is, quote, early. Yes, he has a ton of money, raised $20 million this last quarter. That ain't nothing, Larry. He's got... Robert Bigelow, one, one donor, giving another $20 million just to a super PAC. But if you don't have the skills, if you don't have the connective tissue with the people, and you've got this juggernaut called the former president of the United States yeah. as the frontrunner, who, by the way, is sending the Truth Social post about DeSantis being a disaster on the campaign trail in New Hampshire from Bedminster. He didn't even, Trump is the only one who didn't campaign on July 4th because he figures, I'm the frontrunner, I don't need to. Maybe part of the same reason he's thinking of not going to the first debate. Katie Pavlich, um, I'm going to ask you how you see it, but I want to note the rise of Vivek Ramaswamy, who is um, not going to be president, okay? I'm just going to say that. He's a great kid, smart, but he's running an issues campaign. He's running an ideas-oriented campaign. And I think people appreciate that. It's the exact opposite of DeSantis, which Kellyanne, Kellyanne was the one who said to me, the trouble with donors is they give money first and then they talk to the candidate. They ought to talk to the candidate first. You've had this story wired pretty damn well. But you see what I'm saying? I'm going to go to Trump on the issues in a second. But isn't that DeSantis' downfall? He's been running this. I know he declared a month ago, but he's been running for over a year and he still has no issues. Well, you'll notice that Vivek's strategy has been not to go after President Trump on anything. Yes. And right. therefore, Trump has not gone after him. So he's avoided Trump that him. firestorm. Trump likes um, him. And he is running an ideas campaign talking about what America is. And he, he, people like what he has to say. But with the DeSantis versus Trump situation, you know, Trump has, has done this before. He's been to New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. He's been to Georgia. He's been to Arizona. He's been on the campaign trail. There's unfinished business there. And DeSantis has had to start over. And even though the policies implemented in Florida as governor could absolutely be beneficial to the country, especially when you're running against Joe Biden, uh, he has to start over and sell himself as a national candidate when he really is still at the state level. And so President Trump has the benefit of doing this again and having all that groundwork already ready to go and the infrastructure in place to have a different strategy, of course, in places like Pennsylvania and Michigan, Wisconsin um, versus you know, 2020, but, you know, he's been there before and DeSantis is starting over. I want to play one of the clips. I want to play a bit from the CNN town hall debate or whatever it was, because I think it was one of the turning points in the early stages of this campaign and helped knock DeSantis out completely. Can we play this CNN town hall uh, clip? Here it comes. Please take a listen. If elected president again, what is the first thing you would do to help bring down the cost to make things more affordable? Drill, baby, drill. We have more liquid gold under our feet than any other nation, any other nation. And these stupid fools ended it. We created the greatest economy in history. A big part of that economy was I get, got you the biggest tax cuts in the history of our country, bigger than the Reagan cuts, bigger than any... And also, Caitlin, also, as you know, we got the biggest regulation and regulatory cuts. We, this place was rocking. 
This place is rocking. I'm just saying, I don't know how three and a half million people saw it on CNN. God knows how many millions and millions saw it on YouTube and other places. What I'm suggesting is that was a brilliant answer, okay? Uh, he was at the top of his game. Not only did he get the energy dominance in Drill Baby Drill, but he went tax cuts and regulatory cuts. You heard what the crowd started roaring for him. I think that will look back. That was a knockout blow, Mark Simone, right there because of the issues grasp, his timing and presentation, and the fact that Republican and independent-leaning voters were with him. Yeah, and also, he's got something going for him. He's one of the few candidates who can make that kind of wild claim, and he's actually done it. Mm -hmm. He's done it. He's a proven success at that stuff. That's the difference between him and DeSantis. He's got a story to tell Donald Trump, and he's actually done it. DeSantis has done state-level stuff, never done, never run a national economy, never run a foreign policy. And uh, you, you got DeSantis some credentials, no personality. You got Vivek with a ton of personality. I don't know about the credentials, but uh, the personality is going to win this. And Trump's got it all, everything. By the way, Vivek was a nationally ranked tennis player. That's a big plus for the presidency. <laughs> I mean, I was just a little small college tennis player. Vivek really played the, the whole tour. But Kellyanne, going back to that CNN, yeah. now, if you look at Trump's speeches, um, even the Bedminster speech after the arraignment yes. in Miami, okay? And that was a rough day for him, all right? He gets up there and gives, a, I thought, one of the best speeches of, of his career. And, of course, he tries to answer all the questions from the arraignment and, and the indictment. But he also had an economic segment in there. He had an energy segment in there. I mean, and he was very temperate. That, too, I think, was a knockout punch because nobody could duplicate that. Larry, that town hall did away with Ron DeSantis and Chris Licht from CNN in one fell swoop. Oh. <laughs> so, Good and, point. and by the way, what you saw in the town hall and just pointed out almost two months later is what many Americans saw. What the mainstream media got out of it was Trump just implicated himself on this, and what's her name? Who doesn't know the year something happened to her? Just benefited from that. What people heard was a former president who got us energy independence the first time we were net exporters of natural gas and oil in our nation's history, vowing to do it again. Drill Baby Drill started with Newt Gingrich in about 2008, but he couldn't get John McCain to say it as nominee, couldn't get Mitt Romney to say it as nominee. He got Donald Trump to do it as president. One note on Vivek Ramaswamy, who I do know. He's running a great campaign, and he's kind of boxed out DeSantis's best calling card, which was the woke stuff. Oh. Vivek does it in a way where he's this never-ending TED Talk, and he basically stands up and says, I'm, a, I'm an, an Indian-American billionaire who is against affirmative action, as is the Supreme Court now, um, these college, is against preferences, and he's, and he's ubiquitous. He's made himself ubiquitous. He's kind of a happy warrior. And unlike Mitt Romney, Vivek is very proud of his wealth and the American dream. Oh, I mean, I know, Mitt Romney that. used to borrow somebody's khakis and parachute into the Midwest. <laughs> and Katie, I, I've got, we don't Vivek have much lives time, in the Midwest. but I wanted to just give you the, the last word on this. Vivek is like passing Pence. He's passing all these other candidates yeah. who have been around forever. I'll give you the last word. Look, I, I, like I said, like him, he's talking about America and the way that a lot of people want to see it. They don't want to see people pitted against each other. I think people are really tired of being cut into groups like the left has done for so long. And the Supreme Court, as Kellyanne mentioned, has decided that we are going to go back to the principles of the country mm -hmm. and judge each other based on character, not mm -hmm. on skin color. And he has brought that message to the forefront. And he's done it in a way that he can stay off of Trump's bad side while also rising in the polls. So mm -hmm. we'll see where that takes him. But maybe Trump. Treasury Secretary. Trump loves him. <laughs> um,
And he's fun. He's a lot of fun. Trump's a lot of fun. DeSantis, no fun. And by the way, they're all running against Biden. Eye on the prize, everyone. Biden has the job. He doesn't deserve the job. He shouldn't even want the job. Katie Pavlich, Mark Simone, Kellyanne Conway. Terrific stuff. Good stuff there. I mean, these are people that are in the business to watch and give the American people their objective conclusions from what the American people are seeing. But they... Most of us, we don't have the inside track to get hard information other than what we're given by the media. The people you just heard there, they can. And speaking about Governor DeSantis being on a bad, really a bad ride right now, Citadel CEO and Republican mega donor Ken Griffin said yesterday he is reconsidering supporting Florida Governor DeSantis and is assessing the Republican presidential primary field for candidates. He already had one, everybody thought, but he says DeSantis has failed to make any headway in the polls against former President Donald Trump. Griffin already donated $5 million to DeSantis's gubernatorial re-election campaign, previously praised DeSantis, before he officially launched his presidential campaign. In November, Griffin told Politico he was ready to endorse DeSantis for president, saying Ron DeSantis has a tremendous record as governor of Florida and our country would be well served by him as president. Now, he's part of a growing group of donors who are worried about the trajectory of DeSantis's presidential campaign. Now, this is according to CNBC. And, of course, we know they always tell the truth, don't they? <laughs> Griffin spokesperson Gia Ahmed told the outlet the GOP megadonor continues to assess the field, which includes candidates like former VP Mike Pence, Senator Tim Scott, Chris Christie, and Vivek Ramaswamy. Still, Ahmed maintained that nothing changed about Griffin's stance toward the election. DeSantis' campaign uh, spokesperson, Andrew Romero, downplayed reports about Griffin's hesitance to throw his multi-million dollar war chest behind DeSantis. Romero told CNBC this, and I wonder why he was talking to CNBC about this. Here's what he said. You could wallpaper the governor's residence with the amount of premature political obituaries written about Ron DeSantis Challenging the establishment is never easy, and this campaign to save our nation is going to be a long, hard-fought battle to defeat Joe Biden. We're building an organization that will go the distance. Ron DeSantis is putting in the work to win, and as voters across the country continue to learn about his forward-looking plans to reverse Biden's failures, he will earn the nomination. Now, this report out of CNBC, it came more than two months after the New York Times revealed Griffin is hesitant to back DeSantis after the two met in the weeks leading up to DeSantis's official announcement. And the Times said this, the financier and Mr. DeSantis met in Florida in the last two weeks, according to two with knowledge of the meeting, which came as Mr. Griffin has taken issue in private conversations with some of DeSantis's policy moves and his pronouncements. In particular, 
The two people said Mr. Griffin was deeply troubled by Mr. DeSantis' statement that Russia's invasion of Ukraine was a territorial dispute. A remark he later tried to clarify and that the war was not a vital U.S. interest. Griffin, who has made clear he wants to move on from former President Trump, was also disconcerted by a six-week abortion ban in Florida that DeSantis recently signed. According to the people familiar with Griffin's thinking, who insisted on anonymity to talk about private conversations. Last year, Griffin moved his hedge fund Citadel to Miami from Chicago, citing crime concerns. So the governor, the Florida governor's got some trouble with the donor class. And this is just the latest sign of an underwhelming start of his campaign. He's not made any significant headway in the polls against Trump, the runaway frontrunner, as one of DeSantis' top allies described it. For example, a June Harvard poll found Trump led DeSantis by 67 to 33 percent. That's 34 percent. That's a slight decrease for DeSantis from Harvard's May poll taken before the Florida governor got in the race. Additionally, Trump holds double-digit leads over DeSantis in various states, including but not limited to South Carolina, New Hampshire, Wisconsin, New York, and Iowa. On Tuesday, reports broke that Rupert Murdoch is losing his confidence in DeSantis' ability to defeat Trump. One Fox News insider told Rolling Stones, Rupert and his son Lachlan are transactional and can smell a loser a mile away. One senior Fox source told the outlet Murdoch's understandable worry is that we may end up being stuck with Trump anyway. Oh my gosh. Well, now that I brought up Rupert Murdoch in the context of Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump and the election coming up, There is more Rupert Murdoch news, but really not him personally, but his big television network, the big one here in the United States. He owns Sky News in the UK. We're talking about Fox News. You remember the uh, missing, nobody knows anything about or where he is, Ray Epps from the January 6th charade that happened? Ray Epps yesterday sued Fox News for defamation, and he claims, Epps does, that he was forced to sell his home. A former Trump supporter, Ray Epps, became the center of a conspiracy theory about January 6th. He filed a defamation lawsuit against Fox News yesterday, saying the network made him a scapegoat for the Capitol insurrection. Raymond Epps, a former Marine who said he was forced from his Arizona home due to threats, is asking for an unspecified damage number and a jury trial. He filed his lawsuit in Superior Court in Delaware, the same court where Dominion Voting Systems sued Fox for lies broadcasted following the 2020 presidential election, and I should say alleged lies. Shortly before a trial was to begin this spring, Fox agreed to pay Dominion $787 million to settle the charges. No guilt, 
was admitted to in that settlement. Epps traveled to D.C. for the January 6th demonstration. He was accused by Fox of being a government agent who was whipping up trouble that would be blamed on Trump supporters. Now, this is from the Epps lawsuit. In the aftermath of the events of January 6th, Fox searched for a scapegoat to blame other than Trump or the Republican Party. This is, again, from the lawsuit. Eventually, they turned on one of their own. Although the lawsuit mentions Fox's Laura Ingram and Will Kane, former Fox host Tucker Carlson, was cited as the leader in promoting that theory about Epps. Epps was featured in more than two dozen segments on Tucker's primetime show. Fox News fired Carlson shortly after the Dominion settlement was announced. The lawsuit said that Carlson was bluntly telling his viewers that it was a fact that Epps was a government informant, and they believed him. Look at your computer screen. Can you see me there? Can you see me right now? You're looking on your phone screen. I'm raising my hand. I believe Epps was a government informant. Carlson ignored evidence that uh, contradicted his theory, including Epps' testimony before the congressional committee that investigated the insurrection that he was not working for the government, and videotapes provided by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy that showed Epps' efforts to try to defuse the situation that day. His lawsuit says, on this show, this show, Steve Baker, your Steve Baker, my Steve Baker, who spent three days perusing in the Capitol per special permission given by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to examine all of those videos. It is abundantly clear that Ray Epps, if he wasn't a mastermind, he was part of something that smelled a whole lot different than just being an innocent bystander who roamed the countryside and just happened to be in Washington, D.C. that day. Now, Carlson was not named as a defendant in Epps' lawsuit. Epps' attorney, Michael Teeter, said that Carlson was an employee of Fox when he lied about Ray, and Fox broadcast those defamatory falsehoods. Fox is therefore fully liable for Mr. Carlson's statements. Now, they reached out for this story to Tucker, who would say nothing, and obviously if I was his attorney, I would say, don't you dare answer any questions. Epps claims as a result of that alleged defamatory statement made by Fox, he and his wife have been the target of harassment and death threats from Trump supporters. Epps sleeps with one eye open, read one message that he received. Epps said he was also forced to sell the Arizona ranch where they ran a successful wedding venue business. Now faces, he says, financial ruin. According to the lawsuit, Epps and his wife are now living in an RV in Utah. There are so many things from January 6th. It's almost identical, this whole charade to what happened around the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. I mean, here we are, what, 
That happened in 1962 or three. Let's just say 62. That means we're 63 years past that assassination. And we still don't know for sure if Lee Harvey Oswald was the shooter. And even if he was the shooter, was he the only shooter? And if he was the only shooter or if there were others, who were they? And was it a conspiracy? Or did Lee Harvey Oswald act on his own? One would think in this techno world in which we live, surely somebody knows the answers to those. But every year that we turn a calendar date to a new year, people that were alive at the time, and if there were people that were conspirators in that assassination, they're dying off. We may never get the facts. And by the way, there are sealed documents in D.C. that tell a whole lot more of the details of that. Are we headed down the same road in this January 6th debacle? We could be. We could be. James Posey just sent me a text and said it was a conspiracy. (laughs) I think you're right, James. (laughs) I've, I've said that for many, many, many years. I was a young kid. I was eight years old, eight or nine years old when he was assassinated. But I remember watching it with my family because we lived in Lafayette, Louisiana, South Louisiana, very Catholic part of the state. I mean, probably two out of three people at that time in South Louisiana were devout Catholics. JFK was a Catholic, so it was a big deal when he got assassinated. Also, in my house today, Marianne has framed a picture of JFK. And he's standing next to my stepfather. My stepfather happened to be the Louisiana campaign manager for John F. Kennedy when he ran for president. There's a little bit of wisdom, I'm sure, that shocks you. It shocked me when I found out about it. But the picture's there and it's proof. Papa Joe Huval, my stepfather, He was a multimillionaire. He started a bakery that to this day, it's still in business. One of the biggest, most successful bakeries in South Louisiana, Evangeline Made Bread. Let's move on. Let's move on. How do you feel about the economy in your world? How are you doing? These Labor Department and Treasury Department numbers about Inflation and unemployment and the employment stuff, they keep coming out. And the numbers just don't seem to jibe with what we Americans are feeling ourselves. Now, CNN's Berman, he's one of those um, nighttime guys. Don't think much of him. But obviously at CNN, they've got to find ways to try to make themselves applicable. And so he did just that last night when some of these latest numbers came out. On CNN tonight, Berman stated that despite now, he said despite the reality of the economy being anything but bad. Those are his words. He said most people think it's in bad shape and they blame President Joe Biden and suggested that inflation, which he said rose by only 3% in the last year, 
along with the pandemic, mess with people's psyche when they look at things. And that might be a factor in how people feel about the economy today. And he also wondered if it's possible that people just like to be unhappy. Boy, John, do you really think that's a possibility that people just like to be unhappy? Oh, I'm sure there's one or two or three in my world, but I don't think there are very many people that just like to be unhappy. Here's what he said. Polls show that most Americans think the economy's in bad shape. And by the way, they blame President Biden. But lately, the reality has been anything but bad. The economic data just keeps being pretty darn good. Just today, we learned that inflation rose by only 3%. That's the lowest pace since March of 2021. The latest job reports show the economy added some 209,000 new jobs. That is a lie. They added 209,000 jobs. No, no, no. Those are not new jobs. These are still, in large part, people that had been sent to the curb and home during the pandemic or had chosen to go there when they got all of this beautiful and massive Unemployment benefits combined federal and state. 209,000 people went to work and got off the unemployment rolls. But those are facts. And, you know, on John's show, John Berman, CNN, facts don't matter. It's what fits the political narrative that we're broadcasting. And John concluded this part by saying there have been 13.2 million jobs created since Biden took office. And that's another lie. But you know what? CNN speaks to people that swallow what CNN says on air, hook, line, and sinker, so facts don't matter. Later in the show, he wondered if there's an element people just like being unhappy. And he added, I mean, the pandemic and inflation are two things that do, I think, mess with people's psyche when they look at things. Well, guess what, John? The pandemic and how it was shaped and formed and how it was run aggressively and egregiously by a totalitarian government led by Mr. Totalitarian himself, Anthony Fauci, that was all real. And it wasn't all necessary. It was manipulated, and we still don't know exactly for what purpose or purposes, but we knew it accomplished a bunch of negative things for every American, and millions of people are still trying to fight their way back. You can tell us, John, that things are good out there economically, and all this good news about Joe... Why are there so many job openings out there, John? Is it because all of the people that you're talking about, those 209,000 people, they're just running out of places to go? Why aren't people going back to work? I'm not an economist. I'm just an American guy. I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather. 
I have a company. We have people that we answer to and they're looking to us for solutions to their problems, understanding of their problems and why their problems and why aren't these problems being addressed by this government. John Berman, if you live in a world in which everything's okay financially for you, economically, it's because you live and you're in a job that probably pays good money put in relationship to what most middle-class Americans make. But even if that's the case, you're an idiot if you think that inflation is not a factor. Let me give you an explanation. I know nobody has a loaf of bread from six months ago. Obviously, it'd all be moldy and thrown away by now. And I never took measurements of pieces of bread, never thought I would ever even question what it is. Prices have gone up, inflation, 3%, annual rate of 3%. But you know what has gone down at the same time? And because it's gone down at the same time, it does not factor into real inflation. A sandwich, a normal sandwich, two pieces of bread, and you put turkey or whatever your meat of choice is, if you're a meat eater, slice of cheese, the usual stuff in a sandwich. The size of a piece of bread is dramatically smaller. The size of a loaf sitting on a grocery store shelf is dramatically smaller. Even the size of eggs. Now, they've got monster eggs, but that's not the norm. Compare the size of eggs, ladies, guys that do the grocery shopping today at your same store. Compare the size of eggs to the size of eggs before. Go to the gas pump. It just goes on and on and on and on. Now, who's putting out all these numbers, these inflation numbers? Who's putting out all these economic numbers? The Biden administration, the Treasury Department. Have you noticed that every month the jobs numbers are not accurate? We don't hear about that for another month. Oh, we didn't have quite as many quote-unquote new jobs. And the unemployment rate didn't go down like we thought it it did. It was off. And we missed the jobs numbers by, oh, it was just a few hundred thousand. It's any time there's a big piece of bad news, if it's not true, it's still going to be considered to be true depending on who reports it. Big media outlets, including national newspapers, television news departments. Everybody sees and hears those, and that's what you're going to believe. And then even when there's a a detraction later, and a month later they tell us, oh, the jobs numbers, we were a little bit too uh, positive. The numbers weren't quite as good as we thought they were. We only missed the new job numbers by, you know, 200, 300,000. No big deal. What you hear and read on the news does not reflect directly 
on what you are experiencing when you go to the store, when you go to buy gas, when you go to buy clothes, when you go to pay for services, or when you try to hire somebody for your new business. If Joe Biden thinks that we the people are so stupid that we are simply going to swallow hook, line, and sinker the economic drivel that's coming out of his his economist and his cabinet, if he thinks we're that dumb, he really needs to go to the House. But you know what? I don't think Joe understands it. His world is insulated. There are people in his life that keep him away from the reality of your life and mine. And as long as he lives there, he's going to think those circumstances are equal to the same circumstances Mr. and Mrs. Jones are experiencing in Georgia, in Oregon, in South Dakota, in Virginia, in Arizona. The Biden life, it is no and has no comparison to yours or mine. I don't care what anybody says. There's at least a two-tier justice system in the United States when that comes to law. When it comes to bureaucratic benefits and handouts, there's at least a two-tiered structure in that part of our lives. And they either don't get it, don't understand it, or they don't give a rip. You're driven all night. Everyone has one. The guy that's fun to be around, but he's dangerous to be around. You've got to keep him away from your things, like your tools, your gadgets, and your girlfriend. So before you get your juvenile mate around, get your lips around a dare iced coffee. The real Arabica and Robusta coffee kick will tell you what to do. Hire a jumping castle. Hours of fun for kids of all ages. A dare iced coffee fix will fix it. <clears throat> Off to gang and showtime. Uh, do you know this guy? I'm not going to cry, am I? Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. <laughs> movies, right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive! Our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us or never washing our hands, ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. 
Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. You know, something we hadn't talked about in a couple of days is uh, federal prosecutor, federal attorney Weiss, the guy that uh, has been handling all this Hunter Biden investigation stuff up in Delaware that was quoted by people that work for him and with him as saying one thing about the whistleblowers and then going public in a letter and saying something totally opposite. Understandably, most people think that he really said the stuff that he's now saying he didn't say. And everybody thought it was kind of put to bed. After all, he is the guy, you know, the guy. All that being said, there's something that has slipped back out that has really put Mr. Weiss in a jam. Act former DOJ attorney Hans von Spakovsky, former Whitewater deputy special counsel, Saul Weisenberg. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Let's break this down. First to you, Hans. What do you make of this? U.S. Attorney David Weiss in Delaware confirms in a letter to Senator Lindsey Graham that, yes, the FBI has an active, quote, ongoing DOJ FBI investigation into bribery allegations into Joe and Hunter Biden. What do you make of this? Well, I'm wondering what's taking him so long. This investigation has gone on for years, and I'm just astonished at how slow they have been to do this. I mean, look, they just filed multiple charges against this potential witness, um, Gal Luft, which, by the way, included violations of FARA, the Foreign Agent uh, uh, Registration Act. Why? For receiving $700,000 from the very same Chinese energy company that paid Hunter Biden $5 million. So then why didn't the Biden, Hunter Biden, register as a foreign agent? You know, Saul, what do you make of this? This allegation is that both Joe and Hunter Biden got $5 million apiece in a bribery scheme with a Ukrainian oligarch. Senator Chuck Grassley, Saul, says there are 17 audio recordings on this. What do you make of all this, Saul? It's impossible to know what to make of it, Liz, based, based on the record as we know it. But as you know, the easiest way for the Department of Justice not to talk about something that Congress wants to talk about is to say there's an ongoing investigation. <laughs> but that, again, that investigation has been going on for a long time. And I'll tell you this. If David Weiss in Delaware is the guy in charge of it, we're in real trouble because his public statements, his three recent letters in the last three weeks uh, to various members of Congress uh, trying to set the record straight each time and each time making it fuzzier are are very, very disturbing. He obviously uh, is not being forthcoming. He obviously lied to a room full of FBI and IRS agents on October 7th of 2022 when he told them, uh, he either told them the truth or he lied when he told them that he went to D.C. and was denied authority to charge Hunter Biden there and he went to the U.S. Attorney's Office in California and was denied authority there and then went to Maine Justice and was told, no, follow the process. He, he denies all of that. So he's either lying to the room full of FBI agents or he's, he's lying now and his letters are so pettifogging and so 
uh, and so muddled almost intentionally, they're embarrassing. And so if he is the person yeah. in his office in charge of the investigation, we got problems. So picking up on what Saul just said, Hans, we've got Senator Chuck Grassley sending a letter to U.S. Attorney David Weiss. He's demanding information on why Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf and FBI right. agents from the Baltimore field office didn't act after they were briefed by DOJ officials and FBI officials from the Pittsburgh office about this criminal bribery scheme. Senator Grassley says potentially hundreds of DOJ and FBI officials knew about that bribery, bribery scheme but didn't act. What do you think, Hans? Oh, no, I think that's a real issue. And Saul is exactly right in, in, in what he's saying about those letters uh, that Weiss has sent. I mean, just one quick example of this. Look, the IRS whistleblowers say that um, uh, one of the assistant U.S. attorneys in Weiss's office said no matter how much evidence they had, there was no way they would get a search warrant to, to uh, go into the guest cottage of Joe Biden where Hunter Biden was living. And someone in that office notified Hunter Biden's lawyers yep. about the fact they wanted to search Hunter Biden's storage unit in Northern Virginia. That's misconduct of the worst kind by DOJ lawyers. If this had the name Trump on it, Saul, and uh, it involved the, the Trump administration or Trump and his family, Nancy Pelosi would be out there stampeding around again to, you know, impeach Trump even when he's out of office. I mean, the DOJ just unsealed charges. Let's stay on this. The charges made last year, they unsealed it against Gal Luft. He's reportedly arrested earlier this year in Cyprus. He made bail. Reportedly, he's on the, rough, on the run. He claims he gave the FBI evidence of Hunter and Joe Biden bribery involvement from a source with ties to the Chinese military, as, as Hans just specified. What do you make of this? He's also accused of being an unregistered foreign agent of China, arms trafficking, Iranian sanctions violations, and more. What do you make of that, Saul? Well, you, you never know what to make. It's very, it's very common for people accused of multiple crimes to say, hey, I'm being indicted for political reasons. You know, we just don't know because DOJ won't tell us. But I'll tell you this, FARA, the Foreign Agents Registration Act, I mean, the enforcement of that was absolutely lame and pathetic until Donald Trump became president. And all of a sudden it was enforced, enforced against Michael Flynn, enforced against his partner and now enforced against this fellow. So I would like to just make yeah. sure that there's even-handed enforcement. Republicans say Gal Luft should be given immunity to testify but, but what he knows. But watch MSNBC on this and watch Senator Ron Johnson. Watch. I got to say, wow. Comer's right. <laughs> that I Comer. I feel like a fool. I mean, seriously, <laughs> how could we have ever doubted this guy? How could we have doubted Comer? Comer Simpson. Oh, the shame. Oh, the humanity. Uh, uh, how could we have doubted? How could we have doubted Congressman Comer? When he heard that Joe Biden was going to be running for president, that alarmed him because he knew how compromised Joe Biden would be. What uh, Mr. L Dr. Luft has shown is the same financial transactions, the, the millions of dollars, the, the $100,000 per month retainer for Hunter, $65,000 for James Biden, paid by CEFC. He's got a wealth of information, but they never followed up on that meeting. Instead, they arrested him in Cyprus to silence him. He, he's literally fleeing for his life right now. He, he's, he's on the run. Uh, he's an important witness. So, Hans, it seems like the American people aren't getting the information. MSNBC ignoring multiple government reports, FBI and IRS whistleblowers, 
They're not reporting or talking about the 150 banks uh, reports filed with Treasury on su right. su suspicious activity involving the Biden family deals overseas. And uh, plus a fair charge against Luff, but not against Hunter Biden. Uh, that's why the House needs to be investigating this, because we don't know what's going on. We don't know why the FBI and DOJ uh, have taken so long to investigate this. Why are they filing such uneven charges? Why have they given a sweetheart uh, deal on taxes uh, in cases where the, if, if any of us didn't pay those taxes, we would have all been charged with felonies. Uh, there's a lot of unanswered questions here, and all of it makes DOJ and FBI look bad and look very partisan in their behavior. You know, Saul, we'd like to get your reaction to this. This sound is coming back to haunt Joe Biden. Watch Joe Biden in the early 70s when he became a senator. Watch his comments here. Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but you have to go to those people who have money. And they always want something. You run the risk of deciding whether or not you're going to prostitute yourself to give the answer you know they want to hear in order to get funded to run for that office. I went to the big guys for the money. I was ready to prostitute myself in the, man in the manner in which I talk about it. But what happened was they said, come back when you're 40, son. Prostitute himself? What do you think, Saul? Final word. As we say in the law, loquitur. the thing speaks for itself. The thing speaks for itself. Facts are facts. We need to just find the facts and let them speak for themselves instead of all the pontificating going on. Well, of course, we all know now that a week and a half ago, there was cocaine found in the White House. We were lied to three different times about where the location within the White House property, that illegal drug substance was found, we still aren't certain where it was, but of course the Secret Service, backed up by the FBI, they, be, they just launched an exhaustive investigation to find out who the culprit was. And we've been told over and over again about how safe the White House is, the safest facility on the planet. We know everybody that comes in to the White House is searched in dramatic fashion. They're wanded, they're patted down, they've got drug dogs, they're screened. Nobody can get in the White House with anything illegal. It's going to be caught and the perpetrators taken care of. Well, obviously, that's not the truth. We do know, and we've been told, and it's been confirmed on multiple occasions, that uh, the people that don't go through, the only people that don't go through that egregious screening process when they go to the White House are members of the presidential family. We, of course, knew that Hunter Biden was in D.C., and we just assumed there was a not just a probability but a likelihood that Hunter is the one that had, even though he is technically a recovering cocaine drug addict, we just assumed he might be the likely culprit. And so we waited. Those of us wanted him to not be the guilty person. We waited for the exoneration and the revelation of who the culprit actually was. I just got a bulletin a few minutes ago, and the Secret Service 
has completed their investigation of the cocaine issue in the White House. Do we need a drum roll so I can tell you who the culprit is? Ah, I don't have a drum in here. (laughs) So we won't have a drum roll. And it's really no big deal because they didn't bother to tell us who the culprit was. They just said, it's over, the investigation. From Krakow to Grand Island, Milan to Hanoi, this is TNN, the Truth News Network. We got you something. It's a deep, deep dish pepperoni and bacon pizza, and we gift-wrapped it with over three and a half feet of bacon. You've been working so hard. We love you. Get a Little Caesars large bacon-wrapped deep, deep dish pizza for just 12 bucks. Try our convenient app and pizza portal pickup. Pizza, pizza. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody was baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dancing. Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Look at my Johnny is. Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. I haven't yet read the Secret Service report. I just gave you the highlight that the uh, perpetrator was not named. I don't know if they uh, don't know who it is or if they just purposely didn't name the perpetrator. Hopefully before tomorrow's show, I'm going to get the inside scoop from up in D.C. And we have some people there, as you know, that have access to information and information sources that we don't. We're going to find out. I promise you we're going to find out. Yeah, just like I've said for decades, I'm going to find out who really shot John F. Kennedy back in 1962. Anyway, as you know, our president's been overseas in that amazingly productive NATO meeting. And he met, which I thought was kind of unusual, he met one-on-one with the president of Turkey, Erdogan. And he said that he looks forward to meeting with him again over the next five years. Now, that's Biden telling Turkey's President Erdogan, I'm looking forward to meeting with you over the next five years. Hmm. That was following a bilateral meeting where the two leaders, Biden and Erdogan, welcomed NATO's newest member, Sweden. Sweden will become the 32nd official country of the International Alliance after Turkey surprised a lot of people, including me. And Turkey, Erdogan, agreed to withdraw its objections to allow Sweden's membership. Sweden met all the requirements to join NATO, but they lacked the unanimous consent necessary from all member nations. 
Mr. President, it's good to see you again, Biden told Erdogan. It's a delight to be with you. And you know, we're here in this historic meeting resolving a lot of things, I hope. And we made it all the more historic by the agreement you reached yesterday and the admission of Sweden and how you're going to proceed. Now, Turkey did withdraw its objection after Biden and Erdogan negotiated Turkey's membership into the European Union. And by the way, the sale of American F-16 fighter jets to Turkey. Hungary also blocked the membership, but has since withdrawn its objections. Biden added, thank you for your diplomacy and courage and how you took that on. And I want to thank you for your leadership, Mr. President. This summit is reaffirming our commitment to NATO and the NATO defense and allies in NATO, and I hope we can make it even stronger. Erdogan welcomed his dear friend from the United States and thanked him for congratulating his successful re-election. Erdogan, just so you know, I've spent some time in Europe. I was over there in the middle of the crazy stuff that happened. I was in Switzerland, actually, back in 2015, 2016. And uh, I'll tell you, just a quick story. Part of my trip, I was meeting with several uh, very big, wealthy people from Turkey in Zurich, Switzerland, business deal. And they wanted me to fly to Istanbul and meet with them a week or so later with several other people that uh, were at the same level in power and corporate Turkey as were these people. And so I contacted a close friend of mine in government in D.C. who is a real high up-up person in the U.S. Treasury. And I said, how safe is it for me to go to Turkey? And this is what this man said. And he, 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 he didn't make any excuse about it. He said, listen to this. I don't want you to go. It's unsafe for you to go, any American to go to Turkey right now. But if you have to go, I want you to notify me. There's only one place you'll stay in Istanbul. And he said, my people, if you give me all the flight information, my U.S. Treasury people that are in Istanbul will meet your flight. They will take you to the hotel. They will stay in the proximity of the hotel the whole time you're there. You will not leave the hotel. And when your flight leaves, they will take you from the hotel and put you on the flight to return to Zurich or the U.S., wherever you want to go. He made no bones about it. Erdogan is a tyrant. I don't think he is in the same level as is Vladimir Putin because Russia is much bigger and more powerful and therefore they have a lot of economics that Turkey doesn't have. But Erdogan is ruthless and he has a really bad history of doing bad things to his people. So Biden sidled up to this tyrant from over in the Middle East. Isn't it amazing? Biden gets along so well with these uh, leaders of these communist and totalitarian nations. Oh, my gosh. And it's only not because he's a really good guy or he is a great ally for these guys. It's only because he's the president of the United States. 
And Joe Biden doesn't even realize that, or he doesn't accept that. He thinks it's because of him, his expertise, and because he's Joe Biden. (laughs) Byron Donalds, you know who he is. He's that firebrand legislator, African-American guy in Florida, and he has really done a great thing. He's accomplished a lot in the U.S. House of Representatives. And he was asked yesterday if he would even consider if he was invited to serve on a Trump ticket for president in 2024, if he was asked to be the vice president and play that role under Mr. Trump. He said, of course I would. He's become a presence not just on Donald Trump's 2024 campaign trail, but also on some early vice presidential shortlist should Trump secure the GOP nomination. He's 44, same age basically as Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis that's running for president. And when he was asked point blank, would he consider doing it? He said, of course, he'd be open to the job if Trump were to offer it. If it came up, oh yeah, of course, because you have the opportunity to do really powerful things for the country and really shape the country, he said. But I'm a member of Congress. I just do my job. I let everybody else speculate on the other stuff. He was raised by a single mom in Brooklyn's inner city. And he lived through that. He grew out of it. And he became one of five black Republicans in Congress. He's widely viewed as a rising star among the Republican Party. He has a deep background in finance and banking that has landed him a spot on the very influential and important Financial Services Committee. He's joined in on Congressional Republicans' most high-profile probe, that of Biden family's business dealings, by way of the Oversight Committee. Byron Donalds, that's a name we all need to remember. And should it come down to it, I can tell you, I've got confidence he'd be a good running mate for Donald Trump. Just my two cents. Well, that's going to wrap up our Thursday show. We've got a big show already lined up for tomorrow. I'm not going to tell you who. Hold on a second. Diana Krall, she jumped in there on top of me. (laughs) Supposed to have a special guest tomorrow morning, a mystery special guest. I won't tell you who that is, but make sure you join us 9 a.m. Central Sharp. And thank you for always doing that. Now, Diana Crawl, sing to us. All the leaves are brown And the sky is gray I've been for a walk On a winter's day I'd be safe and warm If I was in L.A. California dreaming On such a winter's day
down to a church I passed along the way Got down on my knees And I pretend to pray You know the preacher likes to go He knows I'm gonna stay Such a winter's day I didn't tell him I could leave 